Hi, we are Inspired Churches and we are honored for you to tune in. We are a church that is being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and walking in rhythms of life for the good of the city and for the glory of God. As we walk into a new year, we invite you to be part of the ministry by donating a gift today. Go ahead and visit us at inspirechurches.com. What is your favorite comfort food? Anybody want to throw something out? I mean, anybody brave enough to throw something out? Macaroni and cheese, rice, tell what kind of church we are. Ice cream. Sesame seeds, not sure what that is. Amen. Like, right, what's your favorite comfort food? Tacos, yes, absolutely, right? Cheeseburgers, uh, you know, PB&J, right? Uh, mashed potatoes and gravy. Um, <laughs> gravy, just gravy. Just put gravy on anything. <laughs> um Dr. Rachel Goldman said this, the mind-body connection is real, just as the gut-brain connection is real. How many praise God for that gut-brain connection, amen? Many people eat not just to survive or because they are hungry, and I, when I, you know, it's probably the Western world that has the luxury to eat just because, um, but for pleasure and to soothe certain emotions, amen? Where are all my... Eaters that eat not because they're hungry and not because they're just soothing their emotions. Now, listen, comfort food doesn't always have to be unhealthy, okay? Uh, it can be any food that brings you comfort. Um, any food that reminds you of better days, amen? Um, like chicharron and camotes. Where's Andy at? If you're Peruvian, which he might be the only Peruvian in the building in his family. Oh, we got another one. Let's go. Uh, for Christmas or, you know, Pancet. You know, we have, a, again, I, we have a Filipino community in here. And y'all can throw out what you eat for comfort food. Um, I'm going to steer the line very, I'm just going to tread lightly here. Uh, don't want to, don't want to. But, you know, like if you're me, like my mom's chicken soup, you know. There's just, a, there's just something about that. Or my dad's hot dogs and eggs and tortillas. That's all my dad knew how to cook. Uh, he worked nights. I was a young kid, and that's what we ate. We ate that morning and afternoon. I don't know where my dad's at, but now a little hot dog and egg just kind of reminds me. If you kind of, what's that? It's okay. You don't have to eat that, but I'm going to tell you what. It was a great, great breakfast that turned into dinner, if you were lucky, right? And so today, I want to serve you comfort food, amen? But, but I want to serve you comfort food for the soul, amen? Uh, like a bougie restaurant in the city. Y'all been there? A little bougie restaurant. Some of us can't afford it. Some of us can't. Uh, uh, but like a bougie restaurant in the city serving multiple course meals. I went to this one restaurant. I didn't pay, praise God. And I must have got like 10 courses. I'm just like, my goodness, it's not going to stop. Of course, they're like this big. Uh, but nonetheless, like a bougie restaurant in the city serving multiple course meals in one sitting. Today, I'm going to serve three courses of comfort food. I'm just being creative. I'm just finding another way to say I got three points, okay? I got three points in this message. Three <laughs> so we're going to three servings of comfort food, amen? And here's, here's what I want you to know. As followers of Jesus, we take comfort in knowing that our hope is grounded in reality. 
we take comfort in knowing that uh, uh, there is a story that has been predicted in scripture and we take comfort in knowing that we have a mission that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. As followers of Jesus, we have a comfort. We have comfort. We have access to comfort and we take comfort in the knowledge, amen, that our hope is grounded in reality. It's not a fake hope. It's not a fraudulent hope. It's not a false hope, but it's a hope that's grounded in truth. We take comfort in knowing that there is a story, the story of Christ that has been predicted in scripture, and we take comfort in knowing that we have a mission. Amen? Any sideline Christians in here? I want you to know there's no such thing. We have a mission. We have a mission that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so before we get into it, before I serve you some comfort food, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would illuminate the text. Holy Spirit, open up the text so that everyone in this room would be able to walk out of here today and said they heard something from the Lord. Um, I pray, Lord God, that you would anoint me. We give you all honor and glory, Jesus. You are worthy of it all. Amen and amen. amen. And uh, this stage is about to collapse and my water is leaking. But I think we'll be okay. It's a little bit of a flood over here. So I'm going to put this down. Yeah, it's, try not to get... Uh, <laughs> Try not to get too uh, enamored with the water. Amen? I can't shake too much. <laughs> today, we're going to eat some comfort food. And, um, and today, we're going to eat some comfort food at the final table of Luke. So for those of you that have been with us, we've spent like eight weeks in the book of Luke, really observing and preaching messages and sermons uh, at every space and place where Jesus sat down with his friends or his frenemies and had a meal. And I've been so blessed by that. So today is the final table scene in Luke. But it is not the final table sermon of the message. So come back next Sunday, Father's Day. I'm saving the Last Supper last. Amen. That kind of makes sense. Um, and so today is the final table scene in Luke. It's also the fifth resurrection appearance of Christ. So I'm about to read you a scripture and a little bit of context. This scripture is taking place after Jesus has died. Three days have gone by and he has rose again. And so he is about to eat in his resurrected body. Amen. And how many of you praise God that when we get to heaven, we are going to be able to eat. Amen. Amen. And amen. I know Pastor Roger threw that praise report out last week and I just, I, I, I kind of believe the same. I thank God for that. So Luke, that's comforting already. Okay, Luke 24. If you have your Bibles, feel free to go there with us, Luke 24. And I can see it. this thing's going to shake all the way through. So here's what I'm going to do. I think it's cracked. So if somebody wants to kind of come through and grab this, otherwise there will be a flood. Amen. Appreciate it. Thank you, Colin. Luke 24, if you want to go there in your Bibles, we also have it for you here on the screens. Luke 24, 36 through 49. We are going to read this story. Luke 24, 36 through 49. Remember, Jesus was crucified. Three days have gone by, and he has rose again. Amen. And so starting in verse 36, the scripture reads like this. As they were talking, they are his disciples about these things what were they talking about remember this is the the fifth resurrection appearance so right now they think that Jesus is dead but they also are confused because they're getting reports that people are seeing Jesus as they were talking about these things here we go Jesus himself stood among them and said to them peace 
to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Verse 30, 39, see my hands and feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. Amen. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, y'all got something to eat? Have you anything here to eat? Verse 42, they gave him a piece of broiled fish. I love how like Dr. Luke, right? Dr. Luke is saying, hey, they didn't just give him a fish, but they gave him broiled fish. So it wasn't fried fish. Um, it was broiled. So uh, verse 43, and he took it and ate before them. Verse 44, and he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Basically, Jesus is saying everything that was written in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Old Testament, everything in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 45, then he what? He opened their minds. How many of you know that Jesus needs to open some of your minds? Some of y'all been coming to church a long time with no transformation because God, you need Jesus to open up your mind. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Amen. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Amen. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Not just some nations. Not just your nation. All nations beginning from Jerusalem. Verse 48. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in this city until you are clothed with power on high. Amen? So let's go over those servings one more time. We take comfort in knowing that we have one, a hope that is grounded in reality, a story that has been predicted by scripture, and a mission that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so let's talk about a hope that is grounded in reality. You see, after Jesus' crucifixion, the disciples hid themselves, right? They locked themselves in a room fearing for their own lives. After all, if they killed Jesus, then they were going to go after the disciples next. And it was while in this room, locked in this room, that the resurrected Jesus suddenly appears to them. Now, Luke describes the instant reaction Right? To this encounter. Luke tells us that the disciples were startled. They were afraid. And this is really important. They were doubting the physical reality of this encounter. Like they thought they were seeing a ghost. Are y'all with me? Now honestly, like I totally get it. I understand. Like I would love for you right now to put yourself in their shoes. What do I mean by that? How would you react if you had went to a funeral of a close friend? And you had come home from that funeral and you were down and you were in tears because this was someone that was near and dear to you. And all of a sudden, while you were in your room, that dead friend appeared to you. How would you feel? I don't know about you, but I'd be spooked. 
I'd be spooked. I'd be real spooked. I'd question, I'd question what I was seeing. Is it real? And, And Jesus knows this. So what does Jesus do? Jesus confronts their doubts. And he reassures them that he had indeed risen bodily. I want you to see that. I want you to see that. I want you to take note of that. Christian, follower of Christ in this room. He resurrected bodily. We have a lot of Christians who are ignorant to what life will be like on the other side of eternity. Many of you think that you are going to be a spirit for eternity in heaven. Jesus resurrected what? Bodily. And so he, he, he's risen bodily. And so how does he assure them? He assures them that he's bodily by appealing to their senses. Did you catch that? Like Dr. Luke, I call him Dr. Luke because he's a physician. He includes these weird details. And Jesus seems to be really preoccupied with them, what? Appealing to their senses that they, what? They saw him. Are you with me? They heard him. They touched him. They even gave him broiled fish to eat. Now, here's your first course of comfort food, right? Serving it right up. We take comfort in knowing that we have a resurrection hope that is grounded in reality. Thank you. I'm glad somebody said amen to that. I thank God that Luke included in his eyewitness accounts what seems like minor details in the text. Even describing like the kind of fish that it was. Why? Why? Why does it matter? Well, because in our postmodern world, many have categorized these resurrection appearances as legends. Some of you are in here today. You don't really believe that he rose. Like it's a legend. It's it's a fable. It it conveys spiritual truths. That's what we've done. We we have spiritualized the resurrection. Well, how do we do that? Well, we have spiritualized the resurrection of Jesus to mean that like dead things will come back to life in your life. I've heard pastors, so-called Christian pastors, preach entire Easter messages about how dead things in your life will come to, uh, how the dead things will raise in your life again. Your marriage, your job, your finances, your career. And don't get me wrong, that's beautiful, but that is not the meaning of the bodily resurrection. Like, we belittle the resurrection when we deny or we spiritualize what it truly means to raise Bodily, is anybody with me? Yes. Now let me say this. That kind of positive thinking may encourage you in this life, but it doesn't give you comfort or hope beyond the grave. Are you with me? It, it may encourage you in this life. Like a God who has the power to, to resurrect your career, or don't worry because it's winter now, but summer is coming, right? Those are all beautiful concepts and ideas, but if you don't preach a bodily resurrection, you have, you have hope maybe in this life, but you have no hope, no comfort in the life to come. Listen, I take comfort in knowing that the disciples saw him. They touched him, they heard him, and they ate broiled fish with him after he raced. This means that our faith is real. You with me? Our faith is not fake. 
our faith is substantive. This was not a fairy tale. The disciples were not hallucinating. This was not a hologram. It wasn't AI, right? It wasn't a deep fake. They weren't drunk or dreaming. This wasn't paranormal activity. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a spirit. He was flesh and blood. So Dr. Luke makes sure to include that they touched him. They heard him. They saw him. And they ate broiled fish with him. Are you with me? Three weeks ago, we lost a giant in the faith. Uh, and, and really, uh, uh, one of uh, uh, a hero of mine, um, a hero in ministry of mine. After being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer a little over three years ago, uh, Dr. Timothy Keller died in his home on May 19th. He died in his home on May 19th. And one thing that he said that had stuck with me after being diagnosed with a cancer that was certain to kill him, he said this, if the resurrection is true, then everything is going to be all right. Now, if I had just said that as a random, wow. I don't know, passerby, you guys would just overthink that. Okay, that's great. But staring down death's door, Tim Keller makes the comment, if the resurrection is true, then everything is going to be all right. He said that two years ago. And then the night before he passed away, his son tweeted this update. Not sure if a lot of you can see it. But he tweeted this update, and I want to read it to you. It says, health update. Today, dad is being discharged from the hospital to receive hospice care at home. Over the past few days, he has asked us to pray with him often. He expressed many times through prayer his desire to go home to be with Jesus. His family is very sad because we all wanted more time. But we know he has very little at this point. This was the night before he passed. In prayer, he said two nights ago, I'm thankful for all the people who prayed for me over the years. I'm thankful for my family that loves me. I'm thankful for the God that has given me. Uh, but I'm ready to see Jesus. And the last tweet there says this, I can't wait to see Jesus. Send me home. This is the comfort that we have in Christ. Because the resurrection of Jesus was not fraudulent. It was not fake. It was not spiritualized, allegorized. It's not a legend or a fairy tale. But according to the eyewitness accounts, they saw him. They touched him. They ate with him. And so we have this hope as believers. A hope that is grounded in reality. A hope beyond the grave. Yes. I don't know about you, but that's comforting. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's comforting. Thank you, we not only take comfort in knowing that we have a hope that is grounded in reality, but we take comfort in knowing that we have a story that has been predicted in the scriptures. What do I mean by that? 
The Bible tells us that as they ate, Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. In fact, some of you should circle that, highlight that, go home, pray about that. Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So, so what did they see? Like, what did he open their minds to see? Well, the simple is they saw the story. They saw the story. They, they saw the big picture. They saw the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins predicted in the Old Testament. Are you with me? Like, scriptures that were written thousands of years before the life of Christ. They saw the big story. They saw from Genesis. They saw from Moses, the law of Moses, to the prophets, to the Psalms, to the Proverbs. They saw the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus prophesied, predicted in the Hebrew text. They saw how everything that had been written found its ultimate meaning in Jesus Christ. They saw him in Isaac, the beloved son of the father, who had, was offered up as an innocent sacrifice. They saw him in Exodus as the spotless Passover lamb slaughtered on their behalf. He's the greater Moses who led his people out of slavery. The greater Joshua who took them into the promised land. He's the son of David and Samuel, the kinsman redeemer in Ruth. He's the wisdom of Proverbs, the son of man in Daniel. He's the suffering servant born of a virgin in Isaiah who was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. It's here at this post-resurrection table where Jesus opens their minds and enables them to see what had always been there but what had been hidden from them in plain sight. Amen? And can I just say this? Like, if people ask me why I got into pastoring, and I don't even know if you can get into it. Like, God kind of just forces, no. God graciously calls you into it. <laughs> Amen. Not in it for the money, you know what I mean? And this is my passion as a pastor. And and this is my hope for you at Inspired Church. Like if you say nothing else about me, maybe you don't even like my personality, right? And I know it's possible. This is my hope that you would say. um, That I I inspired you in some way to search the scriptures. To study the scriptures for yourself. And to hear the scriptures with the resurrected Christ in mind. Like that I inspired you to read the Bible, study the Bible, listen to the word preached with the gospel, the resurrected Jesus in mind. That I never preached a sermon that pointed to you, but pointed to Jesus. That you you didn't come to inspire for a motivational speech, but you came here to get a hope. That you came, even if, the, even if you were rebuked and challenged because of sin, that you were always pointed back to the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, I know I promised you comfort food. Amen? 
but it wouldn't be a Philip sermon if I didn't serve a little rebuke on the side. Amen. Like, you know, just think, you know, you always need whatever you like on the side. So here's some comfort, but I'm going to slip in a little rebuke. Okay. A little challenge. Okay. Just want to give you guys the heads up that is coming. (laughs) We have too many Christians approaching the sacred scripture like the disciples pre-resurrection. Are you with me? We have too many Christians approaching the Bible like the disciples prior to the resurrection of Jesus. But what do I mean by that? What does that look like? We center ourselves in the text. Looking for me and not for Jesus. Anybody read the Bible like that? You open up the Bible, you immediately, God should say something to me. Come on. Even mature Christians sometimes, right? We do a little Bible roulette. Right? We hope it stops and it has a magical word for me. And it's like, and he killed him and slaughtered his sons. And you're like, wait a minute. No, that's not. Let me try it again. Right? And then you're in the Song of Solomon. It's nasty. Okay. All right, I'm just saying, some of you fellas need to stay out of there. That's a joke. Forgive me, Lord. But what what does it mean? You, You approach the scriptures, but you don't approach it with the resurrected Christ in mind. So you search the scriptures searching for yourself, not looking for Jesus. And so what do you do? You prioritize what? Finding your will. Are you with me? You prioritize finding your will be done. You, you prioritize your plan in the text versus seeing his will and his redemptive plan. And as a result, you struggle to comprehend. Yeah? He's like, man, I just don't get it. And we fail to change because our minds have not been opened by the resurrected Christ. Can I be honest? This is why you're not passionate about reading your Bible. And I know it's going to hurt everybody in this room, including me at times. Sometimes I'm reading the Bible and I'm reading it to preach versus reading it for the Lord to speak to me. So I put all of us here. You're not passionate about it. It's not a rhythm that you prioritize. And I'm saying this knowing that every one of us have been there. Ain't nobody in this. So please don't feel called out. Know that 99.9% of you are here. And there's probably 0.1% that's not here, but it's because you're in a good streak right now. (laughs) Okay, never mind. But we all all are prone to wander, aren't we? This is why we're not passionate about it. This is why our studies are shallow. Right? Um, And we use the excuse, man, I never get anything out of reading the Bible. Who has said that to justify not reading the scripture? Raise your hand. Okay. (laughs) Stand up. Let us pray. (laughs) I've said it. Some of you in that, I don't get anything out of it. Right? This is what happens when you're reading the text, reading the scripture 
putting yourself as the priority, your will, your plan, your desire, versus searching the text to find the beauty of Christ. Y'all feeling okay? Christian, if you're a Christian here and you're struggling with the rhythm of scriptures, let me ask you this question. Like if you are a Christian, you call yourself a believer, let me ask you this question. How can you hold such a low view of scripture when it speaks so highly of your savior? Right, like I know people who love Jesus but don't love the Bible. And here Jesus is saying all of this speaks of what? Me. Okay, let's get to the comfort. <laughs> Second course of comfort. We take comfort. You guys are doing good. We take comfort in knowing that we have a story that was predicted in the scriptures. Now, why is that comforting? Why is that comforting? Well, I want you to think about it. Thousands of years before the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right? The entire Hebrew text has predicted, has foreshadowed Jesus. He's everywhere. But why is that comforting? Well, I think this is one way you can find it comforting. It demonstrates that all of history is under the watchful eye of God. Wow. Yeah. Do you ever look around in the world and wonder like, man, everything is going to hell in a handbasket? Yeah. Amen. But you have to understand and take comfort in knowing that God is in control. Right? When you have a God who has steered history toward his ends, you take comfort in knowing that even if things look, that's the key. If they look out of control, he is in control. So, so listen, so that every situation Every circumstance, including every detail of your life, good, bad, and ugly, is being governed and guided by God for his ultimate glory and your, are you ready, greatest good. So that even the evil and suffering that you are enduring right now is all working itself out. In your favor. We don't really believe that though. If you find that hard to believe. Can I submit to you exhibit A. Jesus Christ. If you find it hard to believe. That suffering. And pain. Is working itself out. For God's glory. And your good. I'm going to offer up to you, Exhibit A, the life of Jesus Christ. What do you mean? If there was anyone who deserved to be loved the most by God, it was Jesus. If there was anyone who deserved to be blessed the most by God, if there was anyone who should have deserved prosperity, riches, are you with me? there was anyone on this earth who deserved to be supported 
by God. It was the innocent, spotless, sinless, blemishlessness, lamb of God. Are you with me? No sin, innocent. And yet Jesus suffered horribly. How does that grab your theology? Have you ever felt unjustly suffering? Like, have you ever felt victimized by injustice? Jesus was victimized by injustice. He was rejected and nailed to a tree. Y'all hear me? He was rejected and nailed to a tree by men. And then while hanging there, he was forsaken by the father. Wow. Do you hear the text? He says, father, like, why have you what? Forsaken me. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone deserved to be blessed, if anyone deserved to be supported and loved, it was Jesus Christ. And yet here, exhibit A, we see him experiencing yeah. suffer, rejection, pain, injustice, shame. Are you with me? Anybody in here? Are you real? Are you living life? But what looked like victory for evil. Are you with me? What what looked like certain loss. What looked like utter darkness. Served to create the circumstances for the greatest moment in human history. A moment that not only supremely elevated Jesus. But totally vindicated Jesus. And a moment that not only vindicated Jesus, but a moment that guaranteed our eternity with him if we would believe. This is our comfort. In this life, you will suffer. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, guess what? We're all suffering. In this life, you will suffer. In this life, you will feel pain. And guess what? In this life, everyone in this room will die. But we are comforted in knowing that because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of the scriptures predicting it and because that what the scripture said is true about Jesus is also true about us, that if he rose, we will rise. And that the scriptures predict predicted that he would rise and it happened and the scriptures predict that all those who repent and believe would rise we can stake our feet we can set our feet down in the truth and the reality that we have a hope a resurrection hope listen I want you to see this I want I want you to I want you to see this those of us who are in Christ we hold dearly these words from the apostle Paul I want you to take a look at it for you right here on the screen. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18 says this. (laughs) For this light momentary affliction, not affiliation, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I want, to, I want you to notice how he calls it light momentary affliction. 
And then I want you to realize that Apostle Paul suffered dearly. And he suffered shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake. He went into a town. He was stoned, left for dead, got up and started to preach again. He suffered severely. And in his severe suffering, why would he call it light and momentary? Because when you have a hope in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, the pain and suffering that you go through in this world is nothing comparison to the glory and honor that God has in store for those who love him. Finally, we take comfort in knowing that we have a mission that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Y'all doing okay? We can see the runway. Now, here's what's really interesting, right? Jesus is eating fish, broiled fish. Jesus is opening their minds. He's opening the scriptures and he's showing them how he has fulfilled what has been predicted. And then now, now that they knew the story, Jesus was telling them to go and tell the story. Amen? Amen. Can I ask you a question? Like anytime you witness something incredible, like don't you tell somebody? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Some of you pull out your phones and post it up right away. Yeah. Right? Like you, you want people to see something incredible. Something amazing that you are witnessing. We do it all the time. And yet, many of us Christians in this room have experienced something incredible. And yet, we are failing to tell people. Now, I think probably because we're not really grasping. Probably because also we are so filled with the busyness of life. But something incredible has happened. And we are called, they are called to go and be witnesses. Once they knew the story, Jesus was calling them to tell the story. Now that they have been comforted, amen, they were charged to serve comfort. This is the mission of every believer, right? Not just the super Christian or the, or the pastor. Like, we, like, let them do all the work. Like, we just come in on Sundays, right? We just come in on Sundays, we sit in our seats, and we're just sidelines. That's not how the scripture is supposed to. That's not what the scripture says. That's not the command and commission of Christ. Are you with me? The mission of every believer is to proclaim, to tell the story, to proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to call the world to repentance so that God, through the work of his son, would forgive the sins of all those who would repent and believe. That is the gospel mission. And according to Jesus, this mission is not optional. In the same way that the scriptures predicted his suffering and his resurrection, it also predicted his people would go and share the redemptive plan of God with the world. The mission is not an option. It is an indispensable part of God's redemptive plan embedded in scripture. 
It's intimidating though. Amen? Isn't it intimidating? Especially Bay Area folks. It's intimidating. Sharing the gospel is hard. Right? There's, there's insecurities. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. Amen? You ever been there? Yeah. Like, I'm not a theologian. Yeah. Right? It's intimidating. I'm scared. But we take comfort in knowing this. We have a mission, amen, that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want to invite the team to come forward as we prepare to finish. We have a mission that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Anyone in here, again, you don't have to raise your hands, raise your heart. Any followers of Jesus in this room that are intimidated to, to preach the gospel? Are, are you scared or afraid to tell your friends about Jesus? Is there any hesitation, any insecurity? Are you afraid of rejection? The scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit will give you boldness. Are you insecure about what you will say? The scripture tells us the Holy Spirit will give you the words. Are you scared to fail? The scripture says that it's not your job to succeed, that you are just told to preach the gospel, teach the gospel, talk the gospel, speak the gospel, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to change the hearts. I want you to remember this. The one and only thing that you and I are responsible for is obedience. The one and only thing as followers of Jesus that you and I are responsible for is obedience. Mm. Listen, in times of distress, in prolonged seasons of negativity, we turn to food, don't we? Mm. Amen? Yeah. Anybody gain that pandemic weight? I did. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. Lockdown, feeling lonely, afraid, confused, uncertain, unsure, just want to have a good time, but you can't go to the places that you normally go. Right? They even took down the basketball hoops. Like you can't even go out and shoot hoops. What's going on? So what do we do? We turn to food. We turn to comfort food. I want you to know today as followers of Jesus, we're called to turn to the comforts of his word. We're called to turn to the comforts of the resurrected Jesus. And we should take comfort in knowing that we have a hope that is grounded in reality. We have a story that is predicted in scripture and we have a mission that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And in fact, the Holy Spirit, he's called the comforter. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. I pray that your word would not come back void that would accomplish everything that it was sent out to accomplish in every heart and mind. When we leave this place, I pray uh, that we wouldn't, that your presence wouldn't leave us, that you would be with us, that we'd be aware of your presence, that we would take you with us, Lord, that we'd be aware of you during the week. I pray, Lord God, that we would take hold of the comforts, the comforts of the resurrection, resurrection king, the resurrected king, the comfort, Lord God, of knowing that we are on mission, but we are empowered by the Holy Spirit and the comfort of knowing that you are in control. You're in control. You're sovereign. 
And so, Father, we praise you. We love you. We give you all honor and glory. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Inspire Church, God bless you. We love you. Again, thank you so much for tuning in today. Our prayer and hope is that you would be transformed by God's word and live for him. Before you go, would you consider giving a gift today? By faith, we are walking into the new year and continuing to believe in what God is doing in the city through our missional communities and mercy ministries. Visit us at inspirechurches.com to give a gift and let's see together the great things God will continue to do in the new year.